the question is, all right, do I quit being who I am or do I accept that even with the caveat that things don't always work out, you know? I decided, you know, being a dreamer was important to me on its own right, whether or not the dreams always come true. Like it or not, you, me, and everyone else, we all have a relationship with money. And for the most part, it's a complicated one. My name's Sean Maslick. Welcome to the Most Hated F-Word Podcast. As a certified financial planner, I want to take you on a journey as we throw out the technical finance books and shift our focus towards our minds, our money, and what matters most. If you're looking to improve your relationship with money and build true wealth, you're in the right spot. Finances does not need to be the most hated F-word. Welcome back to the Most Hated F-Word podcast. I am glad you are back for another episode of this podcast. So who's my guest today? His name is Buddy Monlock. Who is Buddy? Well, he writes songs. He is a phenomenal singer-songwriter. Before we get into this show, I have a favor. Can you head over to Apple Podcast if you have a few minutes, and leave a review? It would be great. It helps bring wonderful guests like Buddy Monlock. And if you have a favorite episode, if you can send it over to friend, colleague, parent, sibling, whomever you feel might enjoy it, please, that would be helpful. Okay, so who is Buddy? Well, he has been singing songs and writing songs for many people, many you probably have heard of, like Guy Clark, Nancy Griffin, Janice Ian, Garth Brooks, Joan Bias, Peter, Paul, and Mary, David Wilcox, Edwin McCain, Cry, 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 and the list goes on. He has recorded five CDs, including Everything Waits to be Noticed, a songwriting and recording collaboration with Mia Sharp and Art Garfunkel. Buddy was introduced to me from someone who I look up to, Dr. Ted Klontz, who has been on the podcast, as he felt that Buddy would be a great guest to come on and talk about the power of music, the power music has to help us tell our stories, to help us see our stories within ourselves. Because as we know, we all have a story to tell or a song to sing. However, at times it might seem like we just might not realize the power of our own song or our own song that needs to be sung. I was looking up some evidence-based research and saw that music has been shown to selectively activate neurochemical systems and brain structures associated with positive mood, emotional regulation, attention, and memory that promotes change. And when I look at this from the context of our relationship with money, we all have this relationship with money. And we talk a lot about it on the podcast. Often, this relationship is complicated typically causes stress, we feel elements of guilt, shame, judgments for really good reasons. And despite our best efforts to try to learn more financial information, often we find it difficult to make these changes. And I thought it'd be interesting to introduce the power of change through music because it has been shown, as I said earlier, to promote change. So Buddy's going to talk about his story, how music has influenced his story and how he's been able to sing out that story, not only for himself, but others. Buddy has written fantastic songs for other people that have become quite popular. But he's also on a new mission working with the music therapy of the Rockies. And 
together, they're working with U.S. vets who have a story to tell that has never been told. He's giving them permission to see themselves, and he lets Buddy into those conversations, and together they write a song. The music therapy of the Rockies has a mission, and it goes like, it's not what you get out of music, but what the music gets out of you. And so Buddy really talks about how music is helping these individuals rewrite their stories. Because we all have a story, and perhaps music can be one way that we can rewrite our story in a different way, if that's what we want. I hope you enjoy this fascinating conversation with Buddy Monlock. Buddy, I'm really excited to have you on the show, and you have a little treat for us. Buddy's going to play us a song. Dr. Ted Klontz actually referred Buddy to come on the show, and Ted is someone I highly respect, and he said Buddy would be a, a wonderful guest to talk about the intersection of music story and how music can help us rewrite or confirm the stories we tell ourselves. And one thing that we've observed about humans and this is what I'm so interested about having you on, buddy, is that stories, it doesn't matter where we are from around the globe, from ancient times to right now, we all have a story to tell or a song to sing. And even when we look at the human evolution from an evolutionary perspective, it seems like storytelling or singing songs from a cultural perspective has helped us evolve as the human species. And it speaks to the power of story in a song. And so I'm excited to have you on the show to talk about how we can find our inner voice through song. And you're doing a wonderful project right now with the United States veterans, where you actually work in collaboration with them to maybe rewrite, maybe confirm, or get to know themselves through their own personal story. So maybe you can just touch on that work a little bit and share a song. Yeah, I've been working with this wonderful organization called Music Therapy of the Rockies. Mac Bailey is the one who put that all together. And the whole idea is to put veterans and songwriters together. First of all, I mean, I, I think part of my job is to just listen, you know, to let somebody tell their story to me and, uh, and just listen and hear it and really hear it. And then to, to kind of begin to interpret that uh, and kind of break it down into, into a song. And I don't know, there, there seems to be something really valuable about that, about, first of all, having your story heard and then having it made into art of some, some kind. It, I'm not sure all the ways that it, that it works, but it, uh, judging from how the vets seem to feel about it, it's a very positive thing. So here's a, here's a song I wrote with one of the first, first vets that I worked with, a guy named Nick Tibbs, who served in Iraq. This is his story. It's called Weak. Weak. Nobody wants to look weak For death shall inherit the meek And I am the meanest crown pounder Downtowner, town downer Weak Sixteen weeks and sixteen days Camp to a pink case where the staff sergeant used to be as he waved us back from an IED. Her mortars just ran the Mac like a haircut or a joke you crack. No, I'm the one who kicks down doors. Your kids there get down on the floor. Weak. Nobody wants to look weak. 
for death shall inherit the meek And I am a meanest ground pounder Town downer, town downer Just rotate your home. You must rapture all alone. Your buddy got left in Iraq, and you're guilty cause you made it back. But the VA is gonna fix you up. Just swallow these pills in this cup. Back from the land of us and them, giving oxy out like M&Ms. Nobody wants to look weak For death shall inherit the meek I am the meanest ground Pounder, town, towner, town, downer Weak So is this a problem? Not man, no I can handle it, I'm in control I'm sick Either way I'm out of it And if the oxy's Getting thin I can score some heroin Then some cop Kicks down the door And I'm the one Who's on the floor Weak Nobody wants To look weak For death shall inherit the Meanest ground pounder, town, towner, town, downer, weak. Three days in and out on bail, rearrested back in jail. There's a program if you plead There's what you want or what you need Now I speak I sit in a circle and speak But nobody thinks I'm a freak Cause I'm not the only wall climber Less blinder, dead a timer I speak I speak Wow, thank you so much. Yeah, sure. When you introduced that song, you said uh, chatting with the gentleman, they they just want to be listened to and they have a story to be heard. I wonder if you could maybe share the experience that you feel, because when you hear those words, they just really, wow, they hit me. And the one line you said, they just rotate you home. It made me feel like, Nobody's listening to their story. They just rotate you on rotation back home. Yeah, maybe just share the experience that you you feel when they are heard and then they get this wonderful gift of the song. Yeah, I mean, that, that song that I just played for you, I mean, a lot of it is just things that Nick said. The thing about the mortars being random and, you know, 16 weeks and 16 days. I thought, this guy's a poet already. <laughs> Yeah, that thing about I'm either high or I'm sick, either way I'm out of it, you know. That's kind of where he was left with all this stuff. He was just trying to kind of self-medicate. 
you know, everybody I've worked with has been diagnosed with PTSD. And so their stories are kind of haunting them in a certain way, in like a cute way, you know, that's causing pain and disruption in their lives. So I think there's some value in being able to first organize the story in a certain way. And it's not necessarily the only way it can be organized, but it's, it is a way of sort of putting it in order and linking things together. I mean, that's what, that's what my job as a songwriter is, is to make it fit together in a way that, that tells one story, you know, by the time you get to the end of the, of the song. And I feel like there's some value in that. And it, it in some way, I, th I think when it works best, it can kind of take some of the edge out of the story for them. It's instead of this flashback memory that keeps happening over and over again, it's a piece of art somehow. And they can listen to it whenever they want to. So for me too, and I've, I've just felt incredibly honored by their willingness to share their stories with me. I mean, lots of times you'll, you'll find that, you know, veterans, when they come home, they don't usually tell these stories to their families. That's the last thing they want to do, you know? And yet these are the people that are closest to them and they're protecting them really. But the people you love to have to hide those, to have to keep those secrets, you know, from, from the people you love has got to cause its own kind of harm too. I don't claim to be an expert on PTSD or any of that stuff, but, you know, I'm just speaking from my own perspective on it and my interactions with them too. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm just really honored that they've let me in, you know, and uh, trusted me with this stuff. And I, I try and uh, do my best to live up to that, you know. You say that the last words there, let me in, and I'm not an expert by any means as well. <laughs> But I feel like to your point around with this trauma, it seems that we suppress it and especially around our loved ones and to have someone like yourself to come in and I could just feel your demeanor, even though we're on Zoom and I'm in Canada and you're in Nashville, but you seem to be trustworthy, whether it's the tone, tonality of your voice or just the way you, you hold yourself, that I, I feel like it's a gift for both of you guys to let, let you in. And I can imagine just to be able to have someone to listen, to hear, and tell those stories, like the lyrics that they said is incredibly healing for themselves, because these are probably things they've never talked about in that healing context, maybe. And maybe they have, but I think that the creative process of getting a song and hearing it back is just, like you said, to, to listen to that on maybe a darker evening that they have. Yeah, it's it's a whole different thing, a different way of coming at it from like therapy and stuff like that. I think not that it's better or worse, but it's, it's another a thing you can add to that. It seems like it's accessible, accessible. Sorry. When I say that it's almost like, and this is, a, I think an issue with the system on therapy is that like therapy might seem scary, you know, who's this person I got to now lay everything out or this is just almost playful therapy in a sense. It can be not all the songs are, you know, as, as serious or deep as that one. I was doing some reading before our conversation and I came across Dr. Frankel's work and one of his books was called Yes to Life in Spite of Everything. And he really talks about the power of music as healing when he looked back on his experience in the concentration camps. And I, I pulled out a quote from his book. I want to get your thoughts on on what he has to say about music and healing from more of a the therapeutic perspective because that's his background. 
But the quote goes, I prefer to confine myself to the following thought experiment. Imagine that you're sitting in a concert hall and listening to your favorite symphony and your favorite bars of the symphony resound in your ears. And you are so moved by the music that it sends shivers down your spine. Now imagine that would be possible, something that is psychologically impossible, for someone to ask you in this moment whether your life has meaning. I believe you would agree with me if I declared that in this case, you would only be able to give one answer, and it would be something like this. It would have been worth it to have lived for this moment alone. I love that. I love that. I mean, I, I love that. And it goes right to the title of this book. Um, would you say yes to life in spite yes. of everything? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's in that moment, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, it was rough getting here. But wow, this is amazing. Yeah, music can definitely do that. Other forms of art can do that. Relationships can do that. You know, finally meeting that person and having that moment where you're just the barriers are all down, you know, and I mean, I, I think I love that title of the book because I've always tried to, to live that way, you know. Not that I've gone through anything as, as serious as, you know, a concentration camp or anything. I mean, you know, I feel like I've been an incredibly lucky person, you know, just grown up in the circumstances I have. But, you know, we've all had our sorrows and hard things that we've gone through. Let's talk about your story. We all have a story to tell and these experiences that we have, whether like they're all unique to ourselves. We talk about these moments and let's go back to a chapter in your life when, if the internet is correct, you met Guy, <laughs> you met Guy Clark in your bathing suit. And here's a, <laughs> here's a quote from Guy, just to jog your memory, if you can't remember this probably memorable moment. but uh, Yes, I, I remember it very well. I'm going to read this quote just for the listeners, though. So this is from Guy Clark. He said, This kid in a bathing suit walked up and played no choice to an audience of about 30 to 40 people. By the time he got into the second verse, he had 200 people singing along with him. He blew me away. Pay attention to Buddy. He's a great writer. Can you go back to this moment in your life story and talk about the significance, if anything at all, it had on your overall story? Oh, it had a huge significance for my overall story. Guy was kind of a, a hero to me already. I, I had really only discovered him the year before. I'd seen him play in Chicago. And it was a revelation to hear his songs because it's like, wow, songs can be like that. They can tell stories that well and that artfully. And so the next year I, I decided I was going to go to the Kerrville Folk Festival in Texas. I had almost gone five years before and then got in a car wreck. And that was, I was like out of it for a while. And so five years go by, I'm like, I need to go there. I, you know, I had planned to do this. And I saw that guy was going to be there at the festival and hosting this thing called the Ballad Tree, which is just an open stage. Anybody could sign up for it. So I thought, you know, if I go, I can sign up at the Ballad Tree that day and maybe I'll get a chance to shake Guy Clark's hand. That was my whole ambition in it. So I did. And uh, I got there and uh, signed up for the thing and played my song after the whole thing was over. You know, it was about 20 people played songs. And after it was all over, uh, I saw Guy was just walking toward me. I'm kind of thinking, I wonder where he's going. And he just stopped right in front of me <laughs> and said, hey, I like that tune. Do you have a tape of that? And I, you know, when I regained the power of speech, I, I said, don't move. 
that's my tent right over there. I'm going to run and get you a tape. I Luckily, I did have a tape of that song and that I brought with me and a couple others and um, ran and got it and handed it back to him. And we parted and I just I thought, wow, that's the coolest thing that's ever <laughs> going to happen to me right there. But a few weeks later, uh, I was back in my little apartment in Chicago. My message light was blinking on the machine and hit play. Hey, bud, this guy Clark in Nashville uh, like that song and, and the other songs on that tape, too. Give me a call sometime. So I called him right back, and he picked up, and we talked for a little while, and he, he finally just said, well, buddy, what do you want to do? I'm like, wow. Guy, I, I just want to keep making music and somehow make a living out of it. And he said, okay, let's see if we can get you in the music business. And he proceeded to do just that. He started making copies of my tape and other ones I sent him and just passing them out to people he knew in Nashville. When Guy Clark gives you a tape, you listen to it. You know, it was, I couldn't have had a better introduction. The last person he'd done that for was Lyle Lovett, you know, a couple years before me. And Lyle was blowing up right about then. So it was just the best introduction to the music business I could have possibly had. And uh, within a, about a year and a half, I was moving down there and had a publishing deal waiting for me, and everything was different. And, and Guy, you know, he didn't, didn't have anything personally to gain out of it. He just thought, well, I, I like what this kid's doing. Let's see if I can help him. It was amazing. Yeah. The external benefits, if you call it, like the record deal and attention would have been there with this introduction. But I want to touch on something you said about when you're recording with the vets. And you said that they let me in or let you in. Yeah. When Guy called you and almost gave you permission to be an artist in Nashville, what was that like for letting you in to the to Nashville scene and someone just getting you for you? Like you said, he had nothing to gain. Well, it's interesting because I, I never pictured myself in Nashville. My, my image of Nashville was this, you know, corny country music, you know, rhinestones and and big hairdos. And I just thought, oh, that has nothing to do with me. I'm a folk singer. I don't write those kind of songs. But when I got here and started meeting people and talking to people, I realized, oh, it's it's different than that. First of all, whether they think they can make a hit country single out of it, a good song is appreciated here, even even by the guys whose job it is to make a hit country single. And I met a fair number of those people who might have said, you know, I don't know what we could do with you, but I, I sure appreciate your work and, and the, way you're, uh, the way you're putting words and music together here. And so doors kept being open and people would take chances on me. Yeah, and the publishing deal, I was basically a staff writer for the same publishing company that Guy worked for. It wasn't big money, but I, I got enough to live on, you know, every month so that I didn't have to go work a day gig somewhere. I could just be a songwriter. That was the permission there, you know. All right, you are a songwriter, and it's your job, and we're paying you for it. How long ago was that? I guess I get met Guy in 1986 at Kerrville and, and moved to Nashville in January of 88. And, and I asked that because as you were saying that, he gave you permission to be a songwriter. You were smiling away, so... That memory seems like it still evokes that emotion of happiness. Oh, for sure. For sure. It was just amazing good fortune and sort of an affirmation of like, just keep showing up too. 
So in your bio, when, when I was reading, reading your bio, the last section said, were dreams that don't come true still count? I, I would like to dive into the, the context behind those words. Well, I've always been one of those dreamers, you know, got a song called The Kid, but, you know, the kid who's always looking out the window and imagining things and missing what the teacher's saying. And, and that, you know, kind of plays through in all aspects of his life. I can play that song for you if you That'd want. That'd be great. Maybe that, that would be the thing to yeah. do right here. It spoke to me just as you're setting up, because how many of us have these dreams that don't come true, yet we realize that people always talk about, and I think on a personal level, we all know that okay, maybe if I didn't get that goal, so to speak, that the journey was so fruitful and enriching, but sometimes I feel like we feel like, oh no, it didn't come true. Everything's wrong. So anyhow, it spoke to me where you said that, that they still count. Yeah. Well, there's, I think there's value in the dreaming, whether it comes true or not. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's the song. This is just about exactly that. It's called The Kid.
with some tapey lovers always held out that time would tell time was talking guess I just wasn't listening you it's so interesting that the power of stories in it as i'm listening to that two lyrics really popped out at me and you know when we were talking about coming on a lot of this focus for my podcast is not necessarily money in and itself it's rather the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves because that's who how influences how we think feel and behave and there's a correlation here to the line you have and I'd like to dig into the meaning that you had behind it. But sure, yeah. I believe it was something around I failed geometry, but I have seen things beyond the schoolyard. And this spoke to me is my, I guess, story was very much go to university, get a good job, try to get a high paying job because I fell into the narrative. You know, you got to make money, you got to be successful, you got to plan for retirement. And perhaps. Uh, time was talking and I wasn't listening to use your quote because <laughs> I started to see individuals like, for example, my brother, he's a musician. He's always just played music and he's got a smile to ear to ear all the time. I know that, you know, financially, sometimes things are more difficult, but it seems like he has definitely seen the schoolyard. And before we were recording, this gentleman that I've met who writes music, he's been on the podcast a few times, his name's Rudhub. He told me my bank account might be zero, but my cosmic bank account is filled. <laughs> and <laughs> so I, I just wanted to share those two lyrics and how they really spoke to me personally. But maybe you can go into your story of why you wrote this song, I guess, or those lines, yeah. whatever you want to take it from. Yeah, I mean, that thing about looking out the window and, and seeing past just the schoolyard there, I mean, that was always me. And, and really, I wrote this song just to kind of make myself feel better. I, I'd, I'd been in love with this girl since I was just 13 or something. You know, we met when I was just young, and it always seemed like our time just wasn't, timing just wasn't right. And I got this letter from her, in she was in Paris studying classical clowning. 
in her letter, she said she had just broke up with her longtime boyfriend. I'm like, this might be it. I'm, it's Paris. She's single again. I'm going. And uh, we had a wonderful time there. But the, the first time, the, you know, as soon as I met her there, she introduced me to her new boyfriend. <laughs> you know, by the end of the trip, I'd really come around to the idea or I was trying to get around to the idea. It was like, well, maybe this maybe this isn't ever meant to be the way I've been dreaming it could be. Maybe we're just supposed to be, you know, good friends to each other in this life. And so when I got home from that trip, I had started this song, I don't know, six months before that or a year before that or something and couldn't finish it. I had the first verse about the kid who ran away with the circus and and then it just kept petering out. And uh, when I came home and, and played the song in the context of what I'd just been experiencing, it was like, duh, this song's not about some fictional character. It's about me. I'm that kid, you know? And the the song is really um, me coming around to accepting myself for who I am. I may not get it right the way the world expects me to sometimes, but I can get it right on my own terms and be okay with that. And because, you know, there's sometimes a conflict there with what's expected and, and what you hope for and what actually happens. You know, the question is, all right, do I quit being who I am or do I accept that even with the caveat that things don't always work out? You know, I decided, you know, being a dreamer was important to me on its own right, whether or not the dreams always come true. So that's that's kind of where that song came from. So... I feel like you could have given the most sophisticated, technical, derivative financial advice ever, and it would not bear near the power of just you sharing that right there about because <laughs> we all have this relationship with money and sometimes it causes us to not dream. And what you said of be okay with myself and that acceptance, I think it just gives us then that permission to be ourselves and often these external things are pulling us away. So I just, I, I thank you for sharing that because it's just a powerful story of not to quit being myself. You see, that was your words and really spoke to me. And I, I just think it's so important that people hear these things because money can be that thing that pulls us there. Of course we need money and money's important, but living in authenticity and accepting ourselves for who we are is quite the gift. And I think music has a wonderful way of doing that. Yeah. Well, I was lucky, I think, in that I discovered pretty early on in my life that this is really the thing that makes me happy, is to to make music, to play guitar and sing and, and write songs. And I was fortunate in that, you know, some doors opened for me that that actually did allow me to, to earn some money at it. It certainly has been up and down over the years. <laughs> and it's funny, yeah, I mean, that's my relationship with money has always been like, well, you know, it always seems to be there when I need it. You know, I haven't probably paid as much attention to it sometimes as I as I ought to, just in terms of my own comfort level. I can remember uh, going in the, the little jar of change on my uh, dresser because I need to, needed to buy gas to get up to Chicago to, to uh, visit home again one time. And then, you know, other times it's like, a check arrives in the mail. It's like, oh my God, I never even imagined that much at one time, you know? So yeah, it certainly has been up and down. And it's it's interesting doing, you know, in the creative world, I mean, you really do need to be in it for the art itself and not, you know, there's easier ways to, or more ways that 
give you a more of a guarantee of a steady income, that's for sure. So you have to be you have to be okay. Your reasons have to be about making the art. That has to be the priority. But you know, in our world, in our society, you know, money is the validator. It hurts, you know, when you're busting your ass and you're not getting rewarded for it. You have to learn to be okay with that and uh, rely on yourself and not just look to money as, as validation. But it's easy to fall into that. And I've been there a few times in my life, I, I'd say. I guess you're human. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I certainly am that. There's a musician, a folk singer. He leans to rock as well in Canada called Hoxley Workman. I heard him once on an interview saying that he's quite a charismatic character, uh, singer-songwriter. And he said, in the music business, you're always unsure. He's like, you, you either sell out and make an album that's going to make you a lot of money, and then you're upset and don't feel good about yourself because it's not your, your authentic voice, or you don't, you do your own thing and people don't listen to you. He's like, either way, he said, either way, you're depressed, but I love it. <laughs> and he's always yeah. chose to do his own thing. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that's the two ends of the spectrum. There's everything in between, too. And I, I'd say I probably have lived both of those ends, but also um, oh, not so much the sellout thing. I, I suppose there's times when I've sat down right with somebody and realized I am never going to sing this song. And, and I'm really just finishing this because my publisher asked me to do it. And yeah, but the truth is, whenever I tried to do something like that, those songs were kind of mediocre. And if I just wrote my own truth, you know, whatever it was, without the commercial considerations, those were the ones that, that had shine on them, you know. Like that song, The Kid, I, you know, I had no intention of, or no thought that anybody else would ever record it or or notice it so much. You know, I thought it was a pretty good song when I wrote it and, it, and it sure felt true to me. But that's probably the, you know, the song that has connected with the most people that, uh, you know, of any of the songs I've written. I think it goes back to this acceptance and being okay with myself, I think is a huge takeaway that I have from talking with you is the power and the unexpected results of that is the song, you know, oh, wow, who would have thought? I didn't write it for everybody else. I wrote it for myself. But look at it, all these people who are enjoying it. And Yeah, there's a lot of dreamers out there, it turns yeah, out. Yeah, there are. So you're a self-declared dreamer. Having a long career, many different, you said, ends of the spectrums, being a creative singer-songwriter, what do you feel like music has taught you the most about living a good life? I think for me, because there's that, in a way, like creating a song for me is is kind of that spiritual connection that people can look for in all kinds of different ways. For me, you know, that moment of creation, I don't know. I mean, I'm a sciencey guy, but that that kind of feels like some kind of connection with something beyond this this world or or the the obvious things, you know. And any songwriter will tell you, like, how did you think of that? I don't know. It just came to me. You know, it's like you have to be open and and uh, sometimes uh, songs fall into your bucket, you know. But where do they come from? That's a mystery. What has you most curious right now about music or songwriting? It's interesting that this has been our subject today because this idea of telling stories. I mean, that's always been fascinating to me. And I think 
on the whole, my songs tend to tell stories rather than just sort of be impressionistic, you know, this is how I feel kind of thing. I, I How I feel is in there, or how the character feels. I often write, you know, like songs like short stories, and it doesn't have to be me, even if it's in the first person. You know, like the first song I played, Week, that's, that's Nick. I'm singing in the first person, but it's really Nick's story. I've always kind of written songs just as they came. Then with this work with the veterans, it's a very specific thing now. I'm not just like waiting for some some random thing to occur to me to write a song about. I'm I'm trying to write their story, help them write their story. That narrows down the possibilities to one thing. You know, it's it's not couldn't it's not like it can be anything. It's it's going to be one thing. And I always felt like that was limiting somehow before, but I find it's just the opposite with with these guys that I'm working with, uh, men and women. And so I've also been lately, um, in the last couple of years, working on a musical, another way of, of telling a longer form story with song and and dialogue and all that stuff. And again, in that situation, you know, you have you have a very specific set of things that you're trying to get across at a certain moment in the story. This has to be a character development song and we have to, you know, flesh out why this person's acting this way. So it's, you know, the possibilities are very collapsed into a very specific thing that you have to get across. And yet I found that my sharp is the person I've been writing with for this, that the two of us can really dig into that. And it doesn't feel limiting. It feels like enabling somehow or, or um, yeah, it's like it gives us permission to really dig deep into something. It doesn't doesn't feel like the wor world has collapsed into just a very specific kind of song. It, it feels like within that, you know, there's this whole universe of ways to tell it and things to think about. I don't know if you have uh, know anything about like fractals. No. Think of um, like a random edge on, um, say, a pile of sand uh, on a table, right? or ashes or something like that. And this may not be the best example, but like if you looked at that with a microscope, it might end up looking exactly like a coastline on the Atlantic, you know, in the in the microscopic scale and in the macro scale patterns and, you know, the, the intersection of the random and and the actual kind of intersect there. And it and it works on all these different scales. So I guess what I was getting at is like even though the song is a, focusing on a very specific thing and like writing this musical, it also, you know, as you dive in and get closer and closer to it, it's just as complex as, as it ever was, you know, as, as it looked from back here. It doesn't limit the possibilities. The complexity is, is there no matter what scale you're, you're working on. It's such a refreshing perspective of like <laughs> this idea you're explaining about and to use your words again is you thought it could be limiting but it's enabling and like if you look at it to that level the universe is there and you talked about the universe and i think that's just a good lesson for us sometimes i know i'm guilty of it is uh, i can limit my own thoughts but if we just look at it a little different <laughs> <laughs> well the and the beauty is in the complexity i think yeah well, I want to respect your time. Thank you so much for joining us today and really sharing about this idea of music and how it can help tell a story and telling stories of other people with the vets. Why don't you tell people where they can find you 
And and also just if you have one last thing to say about what you've learned over the years about the power of music and the benefits it has to your life and just anything you want to put a plug in for music. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, music is such a wonderful art form because it combines more than one medium at, at the same time. So there's the the feelings you get from the notes and the and the rhythm and all that stuff, the musical part of it, but the, also the ideas that are put forth in, in the lyric, in the words. And it's a great combination. So I, I love music for that. You know, it lets you stretch and, and use all these different parts of your brain at the same time. One thing that music has taught me, I think, is getting back to that idea of accepting myself for who I am. And so I, I love that guy who's, you know, who you quoted who said his bank account might be empty, but his cosmic <laughs> bank account is full, you know. Yeah. I've definitely been that guy. One day I'll have to get you two on uh, on one of these episodes to get a song going. <laughs> yeah, He's a musician. Go. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I think you got to take yourself for who you are and and learn to love that. You know, we can always we can always strive to be better versions of ourselves, but but first of all, you have to accept yourself for exactly who you are right now and learn to love yourself and. I think if you can do that, the rest will follow. Maybe not in the ways that you, that the world tells you is a success, but in the ways that your heart will tell you you're a success. Wow. Thank you. Where would you point people towards finding your music online and maybe website? Sure. Yeah. I'm on YouTube, Buddy Mondlock on YouTube and my Facebook music uh, channel. It's just facebook.com slash music And I do uh, live streams once a month, usually on a Sunday afternoon. So uh, check that out. I have a website, just buddymonlock.com. Um, working on upgrading that right now, but you know, you'll still get some good stuff there, I think. You're busy writing music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the stuff I hate to do, which, uh, yeah. which you kind of have to do. Like when you're a singer-songwriter, as you're living, then... You really need to wear all those hats, usually. It's not, a, it's not usually a whole team of, of experts in all their fields. It's you're, you're the promoter, you're the, the songwriter and the artist, you're the, you're the recording engineer sometimes, you're the money manager, that's for sure, or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll include all those links in the show notes. And, okay. Uh, yeah, once again, thank you for, for sharing your story and uh, for singing us to fantastic songs. You're welcome. Yeah. And tell people, show people how to get to uh, music therapy, the Rockies.com. Okay. That's the program I work with, with, with the vets and they're doing some really cool things there. And I think there's a film coming out pretty oh, wow. soon about them too. Great. Okay. Yeah. I did find that in uh, prepping for today. So I'll put that link in as well. Great. Great. Okay, thank well, great you. talking to you, Sean. Thanks. This was really enjoyable. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Most Hated F-Word podcast. That just felt good. What a fantastic individual. Buddy, his voice, his tone, his conversation, the content that he talked about was just very, very soothing. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and I hope you enjoyed hearing how music and the idea of writing songs, and these could be extremely amateur songs like what I would write which aren't even songs but our thoughts on paper can help rewrite our stories as you move forward if you want to support the show or you want to help out I would ask if you could go over to Apple Podcast and leave a review 
or refer your friend, family, or whomever you might think might like these conversations. Let them know about the podcast. It mean it would mean a lot. Till next time, have yourself a good week.